You may have heard a rumour that I've maintained a lifelong aversion to every aspect of the world of sport. I couldn't tell you what's happening in the realm of rugby soccer, but even I have found it difficult to ignore the astonishing rise and rise of online betting in recent years. Of course, uh, wagering money on sports goes right back to to the Colosseum, but in our age of the smartphone, betting is more accessible and more pervasive than ever before. The online betting industry is worth as I said in the introduction to the program, around $100 billion Australian dollars globally each year, and it's rising. And it turns out that Australia has played a central role in exporting this business to the world. Indeed, some of the world's first online bookkeepers got their start in the Northern Territory back in the 1990s. Now, here to tell the story is Drew Rook. Drew is a freelance journalist. You've probably seen his byline in The Monthly, the Saturday paper and Overland. He was on the Little Wireless program a few years back with his book, One Last Spin, The Power and Perils of the Pokies. And his latest article examines the rise of online betting It's in the latest edition of the Griffith Review. Welcome back, Drew. You uh, never used, uh, you'd never used one of these betting apps before writing the article. Tell me what you did. Thanks for having me, Philip. You're right. I I hadn't used uh, any of these betting apps um, prior to researching and writing this article. and the article um, came from a conversation with John Tague, the uh, one of the editors at the Griffith Review, um, as part of their edition, um, looking at the modern idea of of leisure and the ways in which leisure can be commodified. Now, um, sports betting is, of course, one such way that that happens, and I really wanted to. Um, understand how it worked and the technology that's behind um, contemporary sports betting because... And I understand it it took you just a couple of minutes to set it up on your phone. It did, it did. I was was at home, I downloaded the um, sports bet app. Um, I I was welcomed with a cheery, um, cheery message and I... Within a within a couple of minutes, had deposited money and and was was off and away. Drew, I didn't realise you can bet on just about anything. You can bet on elections, on reality TV shows, presumably on the logies, even the box office for movies. That's right. I I I was stunned by that. I I threw through conversations I had had just around. I knew that sports betting wasn't limited to just sports, but. Even knowing that, I was stunned with the variety of of options um, that I was that I was able to bet on. As you mentioned, you can bet on movie box office ratings. Um, you can bet on the date of the next federal election in Australia, <laughs> and if you if you really want to, you can bet on uh, on the next phrase or, or words that will appear um, in Donald on Donald Trump's official Twitter. Um, account whenever or if he next posts on there. And even the what colour the the tie of the Prime Minister at his next press conference. 
Yeah, that's right. And these sorts of these sorts of novelty betting markets really surged um, during COVID, um, when of course many sports weren't being played. Um, but betting companies um, were very very agile and adapted to those changed circumstances and introduced a whole range of markets that they hoped people would want to punt on. And Drew, just as a lot of uh, the UK's uh, refugee policies were inspired by Australia, as Ian Dunt oft points out, mm. Australia has played an inspirational role in this industry. Take us to the Northern Territory, please. I will. Yeah, you're, you're right. And, um, you know, Australia has had a pivotal role in the export of many gambling products, um, pokies, um, of course, and and sports betting, online sports betting as well. And this this story um, begins in many ways with a company called Centibet, um, which was established in uh, Alice Springs by a bookmaker by the name of Terry Lillis in 1992. And uh, he teamed up with uh, another bookmaker um, from, from Melbourne named Gerard Duffy, and they began experimenting with a whole range of new gambling um, innovations um, that had that had really never been done before. So they started offering um, bets on different moments in a sporting match, um, not just the head-to-head outcome, but you know who kicked the first goal in a game of AFL, for example. And also introduced innovations like twenty-four-seven betting, and then ultimately set up. Um, a betting website. Now, and before we get to that, I understand this uh, this Daffy character was only a kid when he got his license, his clerk's license. He's only sixteen. He's uh, made a fair bit of progress. He he has. He started out on the racetracks in in uh, rural Victoria in in Warrnambool, following in the footsteps of his father, who was a bookmaker down there as well. And then he started started working race meetings. Um, around around Melbourne and um, in other at other racetracks in rural Victoria, and for for him, bookmaking um, in in his words was was a craft. Um, he was good at handling numbers. He was good at taking bets, and he was really good at kind of reading the the faces and and moods of people on the racetracks and knowing whether they were up or down. And um, <laughs> so, centre bent centre. Bet comes into being in uh, what 1993. Uh, it comes into being just a little earlier in in 1992, um, and Daffy arrives in in the Red Centre uh, a couple of months later in in 1993, and the website centrebet.com.au is is launched not long after that, and the company goes from taking not many bets um, at all to taking. Several hundred thousand bets on a Saturday night from well, I'm all just over the I'm world. just reading the figures here. It used to take fifty or sixty bets a day, and it surges to half a million bets a night. That's right, yeah. And they were coming, as I said, from from all over the world and being placed on sports um, that many Australians wouldn't really have ever heard of at the time. And uh, by 2000, its annual turnover was more than $100 million, well on the way to being the leading betting company in the world. That's right, and, and laying the path down for uh, future um, betting companies to, 
to follow and um, go go much further, as it as it turned out. Remind us about one of your lifetime heroes, Len Ainsworth, please. <laughs> Len Len Ainsworth uh, is is the pokey um, pokey baron of of the world. He um, basically invented the poker machine that is now the global standard um, and transformed the little one-arm bandits that you would find on little bar tops um, at, at, at clubs around the country into very, very uh, intense and for gambling companies profitable machines that had, you know, multiple multiple lines and multiple bets that could be made um, at once, much as uh, sports betting these days, the supercharged kind of sports betting has as well. And he exported that that product around the world. And in his wor- own words, he had built a better mousetrap. So here we go. We've taken pokies to the world and now uh, we're the leader or one of the, the inspirations for online betting. The early venture in Northern Territory has uh, grown into something quite huge. How many Australians are now using these online betting apps? There's there's a large number, but it's still it's still a minority um, of Australians. I think it's around eight percent um, in the past six months had a had a bet online on sports. Um, but that that figure's growing. Um, it was up from around five percent. The year earlier, and that that kind of growing trend is is really mirrored elsewhere as um, various countries around the world move to legalize online betting, and betting companies like Sportsbet um, move into those uh, new and emerging markets. Now, Drew, just uh, like the pokies, you're bound to lose on these apps, aren't you? You are bound to lose in in the long run. Um, and it 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 wouldn't be any other way um, for these for these companies. Of course, if if it was any other way, they wouldn't really um, be in be in operation. Um, so you're they, all, you're always chasing your losses. You're taking risks. You're playing the odds. And tell me about uh, being lured back with incentives. Yeah. So there are there are a range of incentives that. Um, betting companies use that that range from sort of bonus bets, which are um, basically bets that are gifted to um, customers when they say when they when they lose. Um, if, if you wager five dollars and you lose that, you might find um, that the company has deposited a five dollar kind of voucher um, in your account. Um, on top of that, there are kind of uh, promotions to, to bet with your mates and kind of get 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 your friends involved and turn it into a kind of social affair. Um, but on top of those sorts of inducements, um, the companies have other ways to encourage you to gambling. And and in many ways, those methods follow the path of big tech and is all about um, kind of data harvesting and personalizing the content that's presented to um, to people when they when they log on and try and bet. We'll get back to that shortly. This is uh, Ellen Allen. I'm talking to Drew Rook about, uh, well, online sports betting. Now, having 24-7 gambling online is one thing, but there's also advertising, and even I am aware that there's a hell of a lot of that about. Which is telling for someone who hasn't followed sports at all, isn't it? 
Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's 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 very it's very hard to to avoid um, the the advertisements. They 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 really do bombard you. They're on they're on billboards. They're on they're on the sides of um, trams and and buses. They're at sports stadiums. They're on the jerseys of of, of sporting teams. Um, they're on television, they're on radio, they're on YouTube, and they're and even on therefore, social media. And therefore, they're also being seen by children. They are being seen by children. Um, and gambling companies say that, um, you know, there are, there are methods in place to prevent underage people from, from seeing them, but um, there was, you know, a trial, on, a trial on TikTok and there were reports that those advertisements were, you know, were seen by were seen by kids, um, and you know, even if even even if they weren't being seen by kids, if they were being seen by, you know, young young adults, they still young adults who are, you know, only only just gone legally speaking from childhood to adulthood. Um, that there's still some problems with and, that. And as you've already mentioned, the betting companies are taking full advantage of online data collection. They they absolutely are. Um, they don't hide that fact. Um, you know, it's it's in their privacy policies. Um, but it is it is benefiting them enormously. They know everything about all of their customers, their age, their gender, their location, but most importantly, their their betting preferences, the sports they like to bet on, for example. So they, they, can, they can tail offers to maximise an individual's engagement. Which is exactly, uh, exactly what they do. And in some of the kind of internal communications and publications, they, they boast about that. They boast about improving... The customer's um, entertainment experience. Entertainment is the word they they like to use, which is kind of common parlance within the entire gambling industry. Um, and they are they are moving to improve um, that part of their business even more to incorporate AI software um, to an even more extreme extent. They can use AI. That's right. I mean, they they they're using it to a to a. Um, you know, small extent now to offer really personalized preferences and, and content to customers um, to analyze the data that shows exactly what someone wants to bet on and how much they want to bet. Um, and then that is that is used to give the customer a, a personalized page when they log on. And I saw this firsthand um, in my kind of uh, limited online sports betting career, um, after you know placing placing a very modest bet on an AFL match um, or on two AFL matches, after receiving a bonus bet, uh, my my home page suddenly shifted to um, being dominated by AFL content. The companies say they respect the wishes of uh, gambling addicts who want to opt out. Is it happening? Uh, it's there. There is definitely evidence to show that it isn't happening. Um, there are numerous cases of people um, who have requested to um, be uh, or who have requested to unsubscribe from all co sort of gambling marketing and, and promotions from these companies, only to 
only to be bombarded with um, promotions and, and marketing material. And one of the most egregious examples is a case um, by involving a man named Gavin Feneff, who was a financial advisor and, and a very severe gambling addict who lost uh, roughly $8 million of, of mostly stolen money um, on online betting accounts. And he um, was bombarded with a whole range of inducements from, you know, bonus bets to live uh, to free tickets to live sporting events and and was really just getting the VIP treatment from these companies. Um, but of course, the opposite is also true. Um, the companies use the data that they gather on their customers uh, to work out who is is really successful, who who are the kind of who are the, who are the people who are the people um, who have defied kind of the the norm and are beating these betting companies at their own game? And once they discover who those people are, these companies will often move to either severely reduce um, their betting ability or at least the amount that they can bet, or in some extreme cases, ban them from betting entirely from um, with their companies. Drew. Government seems rather reluctant to regulate this, uh, these powerful companies, despite all the risks. Despite all the risks, and despite all of the um, all of the support from the Australian public to to regulate them better, um, poll after poll has shown that Australians are sick and tired of the onslaught of of gambling advertising and want to see some change on that front. Um, but the change so far has not been forthcoming or any substantial change hasn't really been forthcoming. Um, Drew, I'm sorry, but I've got to wind you up because we're off to Africa in just a moment. But uh, That's okay. Thanks for a fascinating contribution. Drew Rook, uh, freelance journalist and author, and you can read his latest piece on the rise of online betting in the latest edition of the Griffith Review. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.